0: Hello and welcome back to the SC Heartback Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namoski. Going solo tonight. No 5.8 with me on deck, but we do want to have a quick podcast. Obviously, we have started recording our season send-offs. They'll be coming in bunches soon. We've got a, quite a few guests on those podcasts. I hope you enjoy those. But before that, let's give out an award. And I think there's a lot of deserving candidates for this award, so I'm not going to give my overall one, but I just want to nominate a bunch of guys who are going to be the most improved Supercoach assets. So, going from the 2022 season into the 2023 season, who are the guys that you picked late that you banked on early in Classic? And who did you, you know, make a lot of cash rises out of? Who did you really just not expect at the start of the season that this guy was going to go berserk? We've got a bunch of names here, some real superstars coming back into the forefront of Supercoach. And some guys who have come from nowhere who I think will fixture for quite a few seasons moving forward. Let's get right into it, guys. Like I said, a couple of real obvious ones, a couple of guys I really wanted to shout out because one stage or another had a really nice little spurt in this Supercoach season. So NBA style, you know, every season they give out the most improved, this is going to be our version here. So let's go right into it with one of the guys who I think would get unanimous votes. He's Sean Johnson. Came from nowhere. He was someone last year who you know, for previous years kind of got ridden off and said that's probably it where we're done with the Sean Johnson um, supercoach averages. And when you really look back to really, we'll go back from 2019, average is 63 into 2020, average is 68. So now we're talking still some prime SJ there. Into 2021, to only 10 games for a 52 average. Into last year, 21 games for a 43 average. So at this point here, you know, you're looking and going, okay, I think the... The luster is gone here, and that's probably it for our boy SJ. But then what does he do in 2023? He comes out absolutely brains out for an average of 78 and really just was a steering ship for that Warriors side who was so well improved. And it's really good to have him back because he's one of those guys that, you know, we talk about the guys that not only do you want to own from a super perspective for his, their points, but he's like watching. And I think SJ is right at the top of that list. So I think, you know, from where he started – you know, he finished the season at 800k, made over 340,000, and obviously we've already discussed in uh, Supercoach draft. He was going, I think, from pick 160 onwards. So an absolute steal. Didn't start the season great a 74, a 60, a 41, but then he goes into an 89, a 117, and 85. And at that point, they were going, okay, the, the Johnson's back. And then we go into this little run from round 14, 127, 119, 112. There's a 135 and a 149 in there as well. So the we absolute brain of this year. Sean Johnson back into super coach, superstar status. Let's go to one of his teammates who had a very, very big bump, and he was one of these guys that in classic wasn't able to get to in draft. Once the guy had him wasn't going to give up. It's big Adam for Newell Blake. So you look at AFB last season, a 52 average. And that was with one huge score of 94. The rest was all just plotting scores. And you're going, all right, I guess AFB isn't that guy anymore. Oh, no, no, no. Played 23 games this year for an average of 72 and a half. He was one of those guys that were just so consistent. And you look at some of his scores, he had a stretch, you know, from round seven, 79, 102, 85, 91, 90. You know, he had the big game in him. He obviously had 122 against the Sharks, you know, quite a few 90s and 80s as well. He was just one of those guys. Played very, very nice minutes. You look at the, av- the minutes played. you know, he was pushing into the high 60s quite often into the low 70s as well. So he's just one of those guys that minutes was there. He was really, really durable throughout the season Played like I said, 23 games. And, you know, one of those keepers in the front row forward, I think for me, especially next year in a classic sense, um, I just want to start with one of those guns because I just know I'll keep them throughout the year. AFB is one of those guys, obviously not going to play Origin um and yeah you know he's probably not going to go a 72 again there was a lot of tries in there but can he go a 62 to 65 absolutely he can so I think Adam was one of those guys that if you jumped on or you drafted you're very very happy with it let's go to one of the guys who just came out of nowhere and we were waiting for him to drop off waiting for job security to be an issue never turned out to be that's big Scotty Sorensen from the Panthers so you look at last year averaged a 44 off the bench year before that was a 41 off the bench In 2020, a 41. So never averaged over a 45. Coming into this year, averages a 66. He had one huge score against the Roosters in round 11 for 175. But that wasn't it. He had another 100 score against the Roosters. Quite a few 70s and 80s as well. He's one of those guys sitting on that edge. Did get 80 minutes for the majority of the season once he kind of locked into that role. And I think next year moving forward, it'll be hard for him to let go of that jersey. I think him and Liam Martin are very nice coming off there. Hosking can be that man off the bench or at a pinch, you know, if one of those guys gets rested, you've got a Luke Gunner there as well. So I think what Scott Sorensen did on that edge just showed that, you know, defensively, he's so sound. He runs he runs a really, really good line. It just competes. And I think, you know, in that Panther system, you know, he's so different to Kikau where, you know, Kikau, not a lot of dirty work, but, you know, was really there uh, as point of a decoy. And then to finish some of those big runs where Sorensen was just an all rounder, so to speak. He was the Andrew of this team where you need a run, you need a tackle, you need a decoy. What do you need? I can do it for you. So, one of those guys, again, if you had him, you were absolutely cheering. Um, And yeah, you know, he starts the season at a decent pricing, so you not too high after a couple of scores, brought down just a touch at their back end of the season, which was fantastic. So, you know, him uh, and Isaiah, you're two prime candidates heading into next year to potentially do something there. Next guy on the list, a guy that I think we all had for a moment in Classic and potentially in Draft if you were in a pinch, Phoenix Crossland from the Knights. Um, You know, obviously had the dual 5'8 halfback, but was, you know, he went into that hooker role and we're going, okay, what's going to happen here? You kind of think about where he started at the start of the season. He started the season with a minus eight in that first round against the Warriors. Then you have a couple of scores of, you know, he comes off the bench with limited minutes, 15, 21, 37. But then he starts getting that uh, hooker jersey, and he starts really playing some minutes. And there's still some low scores, a couple of 30s, but you know there's a 54, there's a 77, there's a 130 in against the Bulldogs. And then this back end of the season, from that 113, 68, 55, 43, 69, 61. So all of a sudden, he just stringing scores together, and he's really just being one of those guys that you can just plug your way and you know, you're happy to play in a classic sense. He was re- one of those guys where you just were expecting to do the trade-out sooner. But there was cash generation, especially from the Bulldogs game. He's waiting and waiting. And he helped to facilitate a lot of trades into superstars in that 5'8 or halfback spot. So Phoenix did an absolute great job for us. And I'll tell you what, depending on what he gets next year, if he gets, let's say, 5'8 hooker next year, could be a very juicy option to get at hooker, you know, at a decent price, just over 500k. Um, Definitely one to watch into heading into next year. Let's go to his teammate, Kalen Ponga. Obviously, a huge bounce back this year. Last year... You know, it was all about, we all wanted to draft him high, but it was Kenny Stay on the field. Uh, you know, he averaged, only played the 14 games last year for a 50 average. This year he starts the season with a 72, you know, gets a, a near-scare head knock against the Warriors. Into that game, where he only play two minutes against the Tigers, gets knocked out for a one. Doesn't play again until round eight. And from round eight, we're going, you know, is he going to be the guy? You know, is he going to be scared? A 15 or 16 16 um, against Pamela in round nine. Round 11 is where it starts. He has 114, you know, 50, 77, 92, 95. He has a 47 against the Panthers. Okay, that's a strong competition. And then the run happens. And from round 18, if you weren't, you know, the season was really in classic. If you didn't weren't on him and you didn't have him, you struggled. If you were versing him in draft, you probably lost. 180, 37, 96, 122, 121, 77, 91. And against the Sharks in round 26, 128. He finished the season at 973000 made over 440000 And obviously, going to be such a ridiculous price next year. Could be pushing that million-dollar price. So probably won't be able to start with him next year unless you're a big-ball player and want to start with the gun. I've already got him as number three overall on the big board. I don't think he will move unless injury strikes, which obviously I don't think it will from now. He's just one of those guys when he's on, he's on. And he just he really runs with that forward foot. And there's no backward step. He goes 100 miles an hour. And when he is on, he is on. There's not many teams that can stop him. You know, you saw some of those scores there. Basically, that Panthers game, a 47, that was the floor. So yeah, KP for me, really, really improved, obviously, from where he was. And I think someone next year that we will all be clamoring to get at some point. Two more Newcastle players. Obviously, they were one of the stories of the season. We go to Tyson Gamble. Now only 473, only made 48k. But he turned into a guy where he averaged a 47. And when you look at the rest of his stats, you know, he averaged a 40, a 47, and um in previous seasons, but just so consistent this year. He was always kind of in and around, you know, he would have a low score in him, like a 24 or 31, but then he'd have a 73 and a 76. He was one of those guys, especially in draft where if you were able to get him and play him on the right matchup, he was a very nice plug and play. I know a couple of guys in our comp did the old plug and play with Tyson Gamble. And they were not disappointed. I just think that he's locked down that number six jersey. I can't see Jack Cocker beating him for it next season. He's been one of those real value picks. If he does keep the, the jewel, I'm not sure if he will, but if, even if he's five, eight only five, eight is past next year. And if you can get him, you can get him pretty late. I couldn't imagine that he would be anywhere from a single digit round. So Someone I'm definitely looking at in that 5-8 position where I could get him and then maybe even Cogger as a free or the last pick and just, you know, rotate that 5-8 spot in Newcastle. Could be a very juicy play for next year. And then we go to uh, Greg the Beast in the the CTW. Made 135K, finished at just over 700,000. Played 20 games, an average of 77. Now, what did he do last, the previous year? Played 17 games for a 55 Basically this year, the base, the floor was around that 40, 45. If he scored a try, it was up to a 77, 80. So exactly what he did, he scored in bunches. You know, he started the season with 122, 102, 92. By that point, he was already just uh, just under 700,000, and that's where he kind of lurked around for the whole season. So it was one of those ones, if you didn't go early on him, uh, obviously missed those first three games, uh, it was pretty unattainable. And if you had him, especially in a draft comp, if you're able to partner him with another strike CTW or a ponger or a strike fullback, points galore. So yeah, Greg Mars one of those ones that he snuck away in the draft this year, but I can guarantee you next year he will be a high commodity pick. Let's go back to the Warriors because they also had another player CNK, a really good story here. Obviously had the jewel so it was very uh, highly owned. Now very interesting, he only he's finished the season at five hundred and seventy nine thousand. So he made 252000 but really does seem under for, you know, how he was tracking. There was a couple of low scores that from around 18. There was a 35 and a 15 in there, but also 92, 69, and 89. You know, had a couple of tons in there, 103, 345. One of those guys, the head knocks is a concern, but still played 20 games, had the dual flexibility. That will – look, in terms of how Supercoach will do it, that he will lose the dual and be fullback only – but I think with Roger Tuovasashek going to the side next year, there's any chance that I think both of those will switch between fullback and center. So I would love to see him keep it just in case, but he might be one of those guys that gains a if chance, if, uh, gets moved into the centers for with Roger Tuovasashek. But averaged a seven, uh, 67 for the season. Yeah, he was one of those guys. If you started with him in classic, there was all those guys that started the season. Too many cheapies to bring in your team. You had to kind of make decisions on who were the three you want to bring in. You know, there's a couple of those fullback jewels. You know, you had Lockie Miller, you had Tyrell Sloan, you had Charles Neville Cluckstar, you had Hammer. So you really had to be strategic. I obviously missed out on Chance. never owned him in classic, never owned him in draft as well. So he's one I will definitely want to try and get onto next year because he was someone who really enjoyed watching there. Let's roll through a couple more guys before we head out here, guys. I want to shout out Matt Timoko. So. Matt was one of those guys that I was pretty high on heading into the season. Always liked his game. Big strong runner of the ball. Now, in terms of overall averages, didn't go crazy. 2021 averaged a 43. 2022 a 45. And this year a 57. Now, in that 57, there was quite a few big scores. There was 119 against the Dogs. There was 122 against the Dragons. A 96 against the Dogs again. 95 against the Sharks. So... You know, there was some poor competition, but they also did score well against teams, had huge price rises, got up to 711,000 at one stage in the year, but then bottomed out again at 446, had another price rise, and then finished at 514. Depending on what they do with that 5-8 slot, if they can sign a good 5-8 uh, to partner Jamal Fogarty, he could be one of those guys that starts the season. If he has a nice draw to start the season. Definitely one of those pod players you can put in there and play you know, try and get four or five good weeks out of him, get him up to a nice juicy price. And then one of those guns that haven't really started the season well, a trade down. In draft, I still don't think his value is going to match where he will go. I think he will slip in the overall rankings. If I quickly look at my big board, um yeah, I'm looking at it now just trying to find his name. Actually, on the overall big board, I don't have the position one in front of me, but... I can't even, he's not even in the top 100 for me. So that kind of tells you that there, he's 107 overall. So he will slide down and he will be available in a lot of leagues late. And I think he's one of those guys that can plug in as your, you know, third CTW and do a really, really good job. So I do like Matt Timmercourt, especially Um, you would have got him for peanuts this year. So really good option there. Bryce Cartwright. It was really the, do you go Matt Dewey or go Bryce Cartwright? As my season went, of course, I went Matt Dury, but Bryce Cartwright made 434,000, finished at 668K. The Cardi Party indeed played 24 games for a 62 average. Now you've walked D score in previous years. Last year, nine rounds, 20 point average. The year before that, 17 rounds, 42 average. Seven rounds, 42 average in 2020. 19, 22 for 42. 18 14. So this is a guy that never went over 45 in the last five years. Then to come out and he got that starting spot and never let it go. He was just consistent. He only had the one ton in there. Um, so that is a true average where he was always hovering around that 40 to 70, and he was just stuck in there. There's a couple of nice 80s and 90s in there with a hundred, of course. But yeah, you finish that the way he finished the season from round 20, 96, 73, 58, 127, 37, where they got absolutely towed up. 71 and 75. So one of those guys that was a great pick if you got him, he would have, don't even know if it was, he probably was drafted very late because there was a chance he was going to start on one of those edges. But yeah, if you started in classic, you made an absolute bargain. You probably could have ridden him all the way through with that price going through all the way into the season. So one of those guys to keep an eye on for next year, another guy that had a huge game. And again, it was similar to that Eels. Which one do you go? Do you go the Enigma or do you go for the young fella? This was Melbourne Storm, Eli Katoa versus Trent Ligero. Obviously, Eli Katoa last year. Average 15 games for a 39 on the Warriors this year at the Storm. 18 games for a 64. There was a couple of injury-affected games in there too. He only played 11 minutes for a 12-in-one game. Um, He played 32 minutes for a 33. So th- this was a guy that got a couple of injuries. Goals. That probably bumped up to a 66-67. And yeah, what a strike player. I've got him so, so highly rated next year. Right now, looking at the big board, um, he's one of those guys that I just think will be um, an elite player. I've got him 27 overall next year. I think him and Jerome Hughes have formed a partnership that you've seen this year that is just going to get stronger and stronger. Two more guys to discuss here. Uh, And these are probably the two guys that came... One came from nowhere. One we hoped that would get there and absolutely brained it. So obviously... Jermaine Asako is the guy who came out of nowhere, made 354K, finished at 737. Center wing fullback, kept it all year, averaged a 67, the second highest scorer overall in Supercoach. Absolutely killed it. He was on runs. He scored tons for fun. You know, he had a really nice floor about him. Even when he wasn't scoring tries, he was still able to get to a respectable score. His lowest score for the year was a 35, which for a CTW um, is pretty incredible. So yeah, Jermaine, and that was against the Panthers. So that's that's literally, I guess, the best team in the comp. No attacking stats, and you get that 35. So yeah, Jermaine Osako, obviously, he will be highly uh, owned next year in a draft comp, especially there's going to be guys that will reach for him. Right now on the big board, I have faded him just a touch. I've got him at number 52 overall um there's just a couple of centers i would prefer over him but you know from where he was this year i think he was uh 204 on the draft sheets from memory um so i'm predicting 150 uh improvement on last year so definitely we'll get he'll be one of those guys that will be at the end of the first round early in the second there'll be guys that would be taking him. i think that adp will be around a 10 especially from where he will sit in the pre-draft so I think, you know, anywhere from 8 to 13 in that range, you'll see guys just going on Jermaine Asako just because obviously you would think an improved Dolphins side with Herbie, with Flegler, with Avarilla going there. Another season, you know, someone like an Isaiah Katoa getting another year under the belt. That just means probably more tries and more points for the leading try scorer Jermaine Asako. But we'll finish it off with probably everyone's crush of the year, Reese Walsh. He Started the season and you had to jump on early to get him. He made 200k, finished at 756,000. Um, and when, yeah, from round two, look, this is a run to start from round two. His first game 105.95, 84.99, 86.101. That was the start, and basically, those price rises got him to 800,000. Had a couple of lean weeks there, uh, 38 and a 23. Then again, he goes on a bit of a run. 93, 67, 42, 65, 116. A low game against the Titans, 22 where he gets suspended. And then you go to finish the season. 111, 44, 58, 123, 141. So really one of those guys that we all kind of were like, okay, is this the season? You know, we saw glimpses. Um, Absolutely, this was the season. Next year, he is going to be a beast. Overall, right now we have him as the ninth. Uh, ranked player in our big board. I think he is in for a huge season. And again, it's going to be so hard to top what he did. He ended up finishing the season with an average um, that, you know, an 80 point average essentially. So he went above and beyond what we probably thought was possible this year. I think there is a little bit, even more room for growth next year. You know, another full off season in this team. He is turning into one of the leaders of this team. Going to be very, very interesting to see um, what happens there. But again, again, these are the most improved players. They're guys that, you know, you were able to get for cheap. You took a pun on starting, you know, there was question marks about, do you go a guy in the team versus the other edge? Um, Which of these cheapies do you go? And if you went with any of these guys in classic, you made bank, you were able to climb up the rankings in a draft league. You got bang for your buck in terms of, you know, your draft position to what they outscored that. And again, it's all about, can you find these roughies? And again, we'll be doing pretty extensive stuff here on the SC Hardback Podcast in the off season, as we always do. We'll go through and we'll try and pinpoint who are those guys. We'll try and take you know a guy from each team. We'll work out which is the team that's going to rise up from last year. Pick three or four guys like those Warriors and Knights players this year. And we'll try and find, so you can start your season next year with three or four of these guys already in your team, so you can get a head start on everyone else. But well, will leave it there, guys. That is the most improved for 2023. Uh, we'll be back again. Like I said, we are starting the uh, series now, the send-offs, the 15-minute podcast, just about each team's super coach, how you're going to remember that season, the good, the bads, and you know a quick look ahead to next year. So they'll be coming. We've got, obviously, 17 of those coming, plus any other breaking news, any final things internationally come up recently. Check out the socials at the SE Heartback. We're everywhere now, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, X, Threads, uh, posting up, you know, every time we have a podcast, any of the big board uh, articles we're putting up now, we've got the play cards out there with all the stats from last year and the rankings for next year. So we are full steam ahead. We'll be going all off season, hoping to get a few more guests on as well. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day, and we'll hear from you soon. Cheers.